You're listening to Mike T. Property Secrets Podcast, where we bring you the latest news, opinions, and insights on property investment and secrets to success in real estate affairs. Introducing your host, Mike T. of Mike T. Real Estates. Learn the secrets of some of real estate's top agents. It's property made easy with Mike T. Property Secrets. G'day guys, this is Mike T. from Mike T. Real Estate. Today I've got a special guest, his name's Darren Standish from Adelaide and he's the business owner of Property Prosperity. G'day Darren. Hey Mike, thanks, uh, thanks for having me on your show, I really appreciate it. Mate, thank you for coming on the show as well too. Uh, I wanted to start off asking you about um, what exactly you do in your business because I know you, you've got a few businesses within your business. Can you tell our listeners what exactly that you do and, and uh, how do you help people? Yeah, thanks, Mike. Yeah, basically, I suppose my business has evolved over time, really. I didn't really set out to have a particular property business. It just happened I was I used, to, I used to be an accountant and I just sort of, I don't know, to be honest, I, I struggled sitting at a desk all day. It wasn't really my thing yeah. and I was trying to look for other options and I wanted something that was sort of, you know, put a few buckets in my pocket and, and something I was generally interested in and I just found I had an interest for properties. So I just thought, hey, well, maybe that's my thing. Um, I took a bit of a punt. I just bought a, a site that was a big development site, you know, subdivided into eight. So it was, you know, it was pretty, you know, wow. taking a big risk, I suppose, as a, as a first venture. But really, as a, you know, threw myself in the deep end. Fortunately, it worked out for me. And then from there, I could sort of build from that. And I basically, you know, doing subdividing one into two and into three and into four. And just one of the things, you know, I found that people just start asking me questions all the time. People are generally interested in property and property development. So, yeah. And I wasn't really sure the best way to try and help people, to be honest. So I sort of, um, you know, just used to give away free advice along the way. Um, you know, I just found that I either firstly, didn't people didn't value free advice or secondly, that I wasn't really in a very structured way of advising people and they probably weren't getting the benefit they probably could have. And so sure. you know, that sent me on a journey of, you know, how can I sort of help people, in a, I suppose, in an efficient way, really. You know, I had a lot of things on my, on my plate as well. So how can I sort of give people advice but... You know, in a way that gave him lots of value, but not, you know, could allow me still to do my day job, my, my job of being a property developer as well, I suppose. So. Sure. Now, I noticed that you've also, uh, you've uh, written a book as well too, to do with uh, property? Yeah, basically I've done, you know, I've done lots of things over time, to be honest. So as I started helping people for development, so I just started collecting skills along the way. I'd always, because I generally interested in property, I always did my own thing. So I sort of, subdivided my own properties and then you know negotiated with builders and I sort of used to sell my own properties and I had a mate that was a mortgage broker so I used to write my loans some lines through his mortgage broking company so I just managed to collect all these skills along the way and then unfortunately if you're giving advice to people you do have to be um, have all these qualifications and licenses and all that other sort of things so just along the way I just started collecting the skills to, to back up my sort of experience and so I've got a mortgage breaking license and a, and a builder's license and a, a real estate license. And so wow. that allows me then if someone, you know, someone asks me a question, I can give them advice and then legally I'm covering myself. But likewise, you know, I've got the backup knowledge to sort of make sure I can, you know, walk the walk as well as talk the talk, I suppose. So, um, and so along the way, you know, again, it's part of that, how do I help people really efficiently is, um, you know, I thought, well, I might as well write down some of my information rather because I'm saying the same thing to everybody. I might as well just write it down and then if someone's got a question, I can send it through to them and hopefully it'll answer their question and, you know, they can, you know, get the benefit out of that. So, you know, I've written books on information, articles on, you know, mortgage breaking and I've got a real estate um, book and I've got a, 
a building book, helping people through the process of building. Oh. I've got a book on development and so forth, so helping people through the process of subdividing. And so really, it's just about there giving people more information. And I, I, in my experience, I suppose a lot of people are worried about giving information away to people, thinking, oh, man, why would they, why would they need my help if I tell them everything? But... Yep. You know, I've just found the opposite, to be honest. It's, um, you know, when you give more information, you just show, showing the people you actually know what you're talking about. And, yeah. and it just saves you having to repeat things over and over and over. And then they can really come to you when they're ready. And then you can help them on the things they need help with, really. So, sure. you know, I've just found it's a really useful tool. Uh, yeah, I agree with you there, uh, Darren. also shows that you actually care um, about them as well, too. Uh, I, w I wanted to ask you, I always like asking this question, Darren. Um, a bit of your background. Can you tell us, tell our listeners, you know, um, example, what school you attended and the crowd you hung around with and what led you to your business? A bit of your past, uh, you know, a bit of your story to, to where you are today. Yeah, I suppose I've just, I've just, to be honest, it's pretty, pretty average middle class sort of income. Went to a, to a local school and then the local primary school and then the local high school. And so it wasn't particularly anything exceptional. Um, my, where was you know, that my brother. Sorry? Where was that at? Uh, I was actually in Banksia Park. Banksia, so basically, as far as Adelaide goes, it's uh, probably half an hour out of the city in the, in the suburbs, just okay. an average sort of house um, in the suburbs. My parents had lived there their whole life, and I'd sort of grew up there, and my, all my, my brothers and sisters all went to the same school. They left school, and they were probably 16. Um, one became a hairdresser. other one, you know, worked out and in sort of a factory type thing and then I don't know for some reason I just felt like I, I wanted to do something different and I wasn't really sure what that thing was and so I've just been on this journey ever since really and just just I've just always had an interest in learning so I've just um, I at high school I did you know to, as an example of how I had no idea what I wanted to do I just basically in year 12 I did physics chemistry maths and English I'm not that I really had any particular interest in that I just didn't know what didn't know yeah. what I wanted to do so I figured that would let me to do anything and then when I went to uni, I went and did music for a couple of years. So I went and did a jazz okay. course at music and uh, music jazz course. And then because I, you know, I wanted a bit of a break from studying and then, then I went and worked in a bar for a couple of years and then decided I should go and get a job. So went and did some work experience at a stockbroking firm and I'm like, oh, that sounds pretty cool. And the guy yeah. said, Hey, you should do economics if you want to be a stockbroker. So then I enrolled and did an economics degree. And, and so I did a degree in economics and then just happened then because I was doing a whole pile of subjects. They said, Hey, if you, another year you can get a commerce degree so I did a commerce degree and it just happened that I had all these qualifications and they're like hey well if you do another couple of years you can be an accountant so then I became an accountant and then so I was all just by accident really just like you know I've got my my diploma in in finance just because I was you know I had a mate that was doing some loans and I thought oh I'll do that and then I got diploma in real estate because I just had happened to be helping out a few people selling some houses and just happened that you know be helping people build houses and I'm like well I might as well keep the study thing going so then I did the diploma in building as well so um so I'm definitely over educated now so I'm I'm done with the whole education thing I know too many things probably yeah no cool cool Darren gee you've done a fair few things uh, there Darren um now part of your journey as you were saying uh what's been the most challenging or grueling part of that journey to till now is to be honest, probably um, not the property thing. Surprisingly, I sort of it seems to work pretty well, and sort of um, you know, I've, I suppose I've just I'm quite conservative as far as the way I invest, and so I only try to try to limit my risk and and you know take advantage of opportunities when I can. And I suppose one of the things is the more experience you get and the more informed you are, 
the less risky things become. And I suppose that's one of the difficulties for people when they're just starting out. Yep. That's generally when they've got the least amount of money and the least amount of experience. And unfortunately with developments, um, if you make a mistake, it can be, you know, catastrophic for your average person. You know, you can easily, you know, spend tens, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars by just by making a mistake as far as developments goes. And once you've done lots of developments, you know, if you if you make a mistake, you can just sort of look at it as a learning experience and move on from it. When, when you're first starting out and you make a mistake, it can sort of, you know, that's your life savings gone and it can be quite hard to sort of get back from there. And, and to be honest, you know, you learn by trial and error. The more times you do it, the better you get at it. And so really, if you'd go back and do it again, you know, you'd, you'd, you wouldn't make the same mistake again. You'd probably make different mistakes, um, but at least you wouldn't make the same mistake again. And so the problem with developments is it's so expensive to get in. And if you do make a mistake or, or don't judge it correctly, it can, you know, can really set you back and it might be yeah. hard to start again, to be honest. So, Can you uh, give me uh, three life lessons that you've learned along the way? Life lessons. Well, that's a very interesting. What would be my life lesson? So life lessons, I don't know. I suppose if it was me giving my some advice to to, to kids or to anybody essentially is the first thing is you've just got to do something. You know, at the end of the day, if you don't do anything, you're not going to learn. So you've just got to get some runs on the board and understand that you're going to fail and just got to just, you know, obviously try and be as educated as you can and cross your fingers and hope for the best. Um, but you've got to make mistakes and just start to learn to to love failure really because and you've got to embrace it and just take it as part of a learning process at the end of the day and that's number one probably number two is just i think the days of you know you're doing one qualification and then that's it and that's it for the rest of your life i think they, they're long gone so basically you know as far as i'm you know obviously you can see i've done crazy amounts of courses and all that sort of stuff but that's probably not even the bulk of my study that i do you know i'm constantly listening to podcasts and going to webinars and seminars and you know, people like yourself and just getting every day when I'm talking to someone, I'm trying to learn something. So you're just constantly learning. It doesn't, to be honest, it sounds, you know, it sounds like I'm full into the collecting pieces of paper and qualifications. I don't think that's really that important at all. I think that what's most important is for people to learn how to learn. Yeah. Once you learn how to learn, then you're just constantly learning from day to day life. So I don't think you necessarily need any qualifications at all. Um, I think it's just more about having an actress and, keen interest in, in learning from everyone basically so that's number so number one is to, to do stuff number two is to to constantly be learning number three i think um yeah just accept that you're going to make mistakes and you're going to fail and and you just you just got to pick yourself up and keep pushing through it and, mm. and the more times you fail the more the better you're going to get essentially so that's probably my three tips of advice oh fantastic and, and what sort of uh, advice would you give someone uh, that's looking at selling their property. Uh, as far as because I'm, I'm an, I do sell houses for people. I'm probably a bit unusual in the style of the way I sell houses compared to some agents. So my whole strategy for selling a house because I've never this is the other thing too. Remember, I've I've got a mortgage broking company, but I've never worked for a, a mortgage company before. So I have really I've got no background on how other people do things. Likewise, as a real estate agent. I have no idea what other real estate agents do. I can see from the outside what they do, um, but I suppose I've just done what I think would be the best way to try and sell a house. So my logic with selling a house is, you know, I don't believe you're going to sell a house unless someone comes and looks at it. So number one for me is I want people to come and look at the house. Exactly. And I don't want one person to come look at that house. I want to get hundreds of people. So right, I've yeah. spent many, many years trying to work out how do I get 100 people to come and look at the house. 
and then so and then everything I do from then on is based around how do I get lots and lots of people to come. So that's my first thing because I've, you know, if you rock up to an open inspection and there's a lineup down the driveway and down the street, then there's something different about your house than every other house. Even though it's exactly the same as every other house in the street, just purely by the fact you've got a hundred people there, it's going to make it stand out. The the feedback I get from buyers is you know how much more than the asking price do I have to pay? You know, straight away puts you in a really good negotiating position. Sure. Straight away, they know they have to pay more. And so it's just a good way to start the negotiation process off. And number two is, um, you know, once I get lots of people there is to get offers. You know, I, I'm surprised how often I talk to people. You know, they bring me up saying, hey, Darren, I'm trying to sell my house. It's been on the market for six months. And I'll say to them, how many offers you got? And like, we had none. Yeah. And I'm like, how is that even possible? You know, I'll give you a thousand bucks now. You know, yeah. that's an offer. You know, what, what are these agents doing? Is that, That's my question is, you know, if you're not getting offers, how are you going to sell it? You know, yeah. you can't sell it unless someone puts an offer. So, so my logic is, again, getting hundreds of people there. But secondly, get offers. I don't care what the offers are. But until I get an offer, nothing's going to happen. And so I'm, I want, you know, just I want as many offers as I possibly can get. And that creates a sense of momentum. The fact you get 100 people there. The other thing, unfortunately, agents don't necessarily have a good reputation. So people don't necessarily believe agents when they say they've got an offer. Whereas when they come to my open, they've seen 100 people there. If I say I've got an offer, it's the first week it's been on the market. They know I've got other offers. They know that, you know, I'm being legit with them. So so then they know how to put in their best and highest price. And that allows me the opportunity then to just make sure I get the highest price for the owner then. So. All right, cool. Now, um, since you've done a bit of property development and some sales, have you got a memorable sale that you've done out of that? And can you also talk after that, talk a little bit about property development as well too, a couple of minutes on property development as well? Yeah, I suppose we probably, I've probably got one example, which is quite recent, that is probably covers both those topics, basically. So I did buy, um, there's a place down south from Adelaide, probably about 40 minutes from the CBD in called Aldinga, Aldinga Beach. Yep. And so it's, I mean, it was probably three streets off the beach. So I bought an old house on a, on a corner block, um, subdivided, it had a big backyard um, and subdivided into four, essentially. So one with the existing house and then three with the... Um, Wow. The, for the three blocks of land and I built three houses on there and then um, I kept I kept them all my intention was to hang on to them forever um, over time I just found better opportunities to, to take advantage of so I did I sold one of the properties off and then I sold another one off I sold the original the the original existing house first yeah. then I sold one of the brand new houses off then I sold another brand new house and I kept one of them essentially mm-hmm. the one of the houses I sold off probably four years ago I sold it to the owners at 270 yep and then recently I was sort of planning on selling the one I, I left over and I was planning on selling that at, um, you know, in the next few months. And then I noticed the house next door went on the market with another agent. Yeah. And then I saw what price it sold for. It sold for 252 And so I sold it to this guy for 270 like four years ago. Oh, so I sold it for less. So I was, I was not happy. I was, I was really pissed off with the agent. I rang him up and abused him. I'm saying, what the hell, man? What are you selling? Because I'd sold... Um, the other one on the other side for like 270 something, you know, a few years before that as well. So I knew, and the market was showing it was around that $300,000 mark. So I knew it wasn't worth 250. So I rang him up and abused him. He said he knew it was, it was underpriced, but he's like, Oh, well, what am I going to do? They accepted the offer. So that's the price. So he did offer to write me a letter to say that he sold it too cheap. <laughs> and I'm like, what the hell, man, what are you talking about? I don't want a letter. You should have just done your job and sold it at the right price. So problem was I put mine on the property on the market um, the thing is, because these were three identical houses, um, mine was identical. So there wasn't anything different. So it was 
purely by the fact that I was relying on my skill as a real estate agent to do a better job than the guy before had done. The danger uh-huh. for me was he, um, yeah, he'd set the market at 252 because at the end of the day, it's whatever someone pays for, it's what it's worth. And, and we had an identical example next door. So, yeah. so it gave me the opportunity to, to put my strategy into pl- practice of getting lots of people there and um, making them fight for it. So essentially, I put it on the market at 299,950, so 300,000, which seemed a fair price considering it was only a few streets off the beach. Um, wow. To be honest, probably um, median house price in the areas is probably showing it's worth 280 to 290 if I was lucky. Yeah. So it was on the high side, but it did seem relatively cheap for a house which was only, you know, six, seven years old. So oh. um, so I worked on the market 299, got a heap of interest, managed to get a few people that fell in love with it. I do put a lot of effort into presenting my house as well as possible. So I did, sure. um, you know, paint it and put new flooring down and stage it with some nice furniture. I basically had the best quality photos so I could find and video and all that sort of stuff. Present the house as nice as I possibly can. Got a lot of interest and then essentially ended up selling it within a week for 330. So, so I suppose that's an example of, you know, an agent not trying so hard and an agent trying a little bit harder. To be yeah. honest, I work a lot harder than the average agent, um, but I do it over a much shorter period of time. So I probably, you know, what takes them six months, I'd work just as hard, but over two weeks, essentially. Yes. So, um, so, yeah. So basically, that's a pretty prime example of where I could, you know, subdividing a property and then likewise, you, how you can actually market a property really well. And that example, that was, you know, 78 grand difference. Yeah, essentially, that person that bought the house next door, they could have almost got me to sell their house for them yeah. three months later and made 70 grand. So, it's oh, just, wow. you know, people don't see the value in what real estate, they assume they all do the same thing and, you know, they're whacking out on the, on the real estate and uh, real estate.com and hand out a few flyers. But, you know, I can show many, many examples where I've sold houses, you know, 30, 40, 50, $60,000 more than identical houses next door purely because of the way I market properties. So, there is, there is definitely a skill involved. So. Exactly right. Plus negotiations, and that's uh, proof. Uh, I agree with you 100%, Darren. Because uh, some agents out there, and and with some clients, they sometimes find it difficult to to believe an agent because they don't believe you. Uh, you know, as soon as you walk through the door. So um, yeah, there's some out there that just do not put the effort in, and they just want a quick sale and get paid straight away, and not putting the uh, the vendor's interests at heart to get a top dollar. So you, great great job. Uh, I just want to ask you as well too. Uh, what you know? What matters the most to you now? Uh, basically, for me, it's just spending time with my family, my kids. Really, um, to be honest, I I probably How long only married. Uh, oh, I've been married a few years, but I've got uh, I've got a a two year old and a four year old. So, oh, um, so basically, spending my time with my kids is is the most important thing to me in the world. So I uh, I spend a few days a week with them. So I sort of don't. Um, yeah, I suppose my business now is, is fortunate that I'm in a situation where I can work a few days a week and then sort of focus on spending time with my kids while I while they still want to spend time with me. So, <laughs> so that's pretty much yeah my my main focus to be honest. So I've sort of spent um I've collected a few skills along the way and I've worked on how do I can like I said to you at the start how can I provide really good value to my clients but do it really efficiently. So that's probably where I've been focused on is how can I do it really efficiently and that's that's how I've evolved over time and so I can you know try and work as least as possible and then but still give people plenty of value, I suppose. Yeah, no, fantastic. Uh, now, I know you've done quite a few things, but I have to ask you this. Uh, if you were to start from scratch, what would you do? What would you pick? Starting from scratch, I don't think it's possible, to be honest. I don't think, I don't think you can start without any experience and knowledge. You know, I suppose if, if the question was, 
you know, did I start from scratch from now with all the experience and knowledge that I've built along the way, you know, but I just don't, I don't think it's possible to start, you know, at the end of the day, you've got to do the hard yards. You've got to learn by trial and error. You've got to make mistakes. You've got to, you've got to have to push yourself through some pain to, mm-hmm. to, to get that experience and knowledge. And if you just got it given to you, I don't think you'd, you know, if, example wise, let's just say you, um, you know, you were, working as a school teacher and someone gave you a million dollars and said, go out and invest it in property or yep. property development or whatever it happened to be, you know, it would just be a dangerous thing. Really. You probably, you're not going to know what to do because you haven't got the experience and knowledge to, to make sure, you know, you don't make those mistakes. And so I don't think money is necessarily the key. I think experience and knowledge is the most important thing. So, sure. so if I could start from scratch, but have all that experience and knowledge, then, you know, I'd definitely be at advantage then. And, and, it's really just a matter of, again, I'd just be focused on how can I do it really efficiently. It's not that I don't want to work. See, I'm happy with working and I'm happy with learning. It's just how can I create value for myself and for other people in a really efficient way. Mm, cool. And how do you see the property market, say, for the next 12 months to five years? Uh, because I'm dealing with property development as such, I'm not as – the market doesn't really matter. Yep. To be honest, it doesn't really matter. Like if it's a good deal, it's a good deal. You know, you're buying and selling in today's market essentially what the ultimate for a property developer is you know to rock up to an open today and, and sign the contract and, and find someone that's going to buy it off you tomorrow before you've even gone through the whole subdivision process you know and then and then you've locked in you've eliminated any risk essentially you know that person that's buying off you they will have to wait for the whole process to to go through its course you know so the settlement then say let's you're going to you're going to buy an old house on a big block and you're going to subdivide into three blocks of land and you're going to sell them off to someone. If you can find someone or three individual people that can buy those three blocks of land, sign a contract, you know, obviously they don't get the blocks of land until it's subdivided. So it might be six to nine months down the track or, or longer, but they'll just sit around waiting unless you, you've locked, the, locked away the profit then. So you're not really taking any risk on, you know, generally you have to sell it a bit of a discount for the next person that's buying it. But that's great. You know, you bought it cheap, you've sold it cheap to the next guy and they're happy, you're happy, everyone's happy. You don't really have to, you know, I suppose there's this perception out there of everyone, someone has to lose, but, but no one has to lose. You know, you can create huge amounts of value. Everyone can benefit from it and it can be win-win for everybody. Sure, cool. Can you talk a little bit about uh, uh, owner building as well too, Darren? Just a few quick tips, say a couple of, three tips about owner building. Yeah, I suppose to be honest, I'm not really an owner builder. I do have a builder's license, but I don't, I don't, I'm not having my own construction company as such. I yep. have, you know, had tradies that work in for me in the past, but um, my advice to people is just probably just get a, a licensed builder to come and do their thing. And, you know, really, unless that's your day job or that's what you want to, again, everything you learn by trial and error can be re- just like as expensive for property development. It can be expensive for the whole building process. As an owner builder, you are just as liable as if you were a builder. So if anything goes wrong down the track, you're responsible. If something falls over and, and kills someone, you're liable essentially. So the, the liability and the regulations and the rules apply just to you as if you were running a big, you know, commercial building company doing hundreds of millions of dollar, you know, projects. So it's it's a it's a big thing to undertake and that's the reason why I don't do building. You know, I've got a builder's license, I can go out and do it, but I choose not to because I just just don't want to take on the risk and, and liability. I'd rather just hire someone else. I like the reason the benefit of me having all this experience and knowledge is I understand the things sure. I need to watch out for. But um so yeah, probably my advice is, you know, don't, unless you really want to, become, if you want to start off a building company, then a, a good way to do that is become an owner builder and learn all the skills and learn all the skills on your own property. Just like I've learned all my own skills about being a property developer by doing our own developments and then 
can branch out to helping out other people. Likewise, as you know, an owner builder is a good way to learn the skills and make mistakes, and it's your money you're losing on. And then down the track, you can start a building company up. But otherwise, just let people, you know, let the professionals do what they're supposed to do. And then, you know, there's no point you learning by trial and error. It's just too mm. expensive and too dangerous. Cool. And um, what's the best piece of advice that you've received, Darren? To be honest, I think I've become a bit of a, as a person, you can tell, but I've done, I'm, I'm overeducated and I've learned too many things. Um, I think I'm a strong believer in, I, I listened to a podcast once and one of the guys talking there, he's talking about just in time learning. And okay. I think that's very, very true is you only want to learn stuff that you need to know right now. And so, and, and again, this is probably my flaw too, is I'm just generally interested in learning. So I learn lots of things and that helps me down the track in, you know, five or 10 years time, I might recall something that I learned 10 years ago, but quite often you don't really know the relevance of something you're learning until you need to know it. And so um, I think people have given me advice over the years that at the time I thought, you don't know what you're talking about. But then, you know, 10 years down the track, I'm like, man, that person was totally on the ball and that's exactly what I should have been doing 10 years ago. But you don't really know until you put yourself through your own journey and then you can look at it with a fresh set of eyes with more knowledge and experience, I suppose. And I've experienced that with reading books. You know, I've read a book. Well, what's your favourite book? Oh, that's a very good question. I, to be honest, I've not read a lot of books lately. I, I am, my whole thing is trying to save time. Um, I don't really have a lot of time to sit down and read books, so I listen to audio books if I'm going to listen to something. Oh, okay. um, so, And you can sort of speed them up so they go faster and so you can pump through. And you can do it while you're walking the dog or driving the car or whatever, so it saves you having to sit down and reading a book. So, so audio books. Um, again, I'm, I'm more focused on business and how I can become more efficient. So... You know, things like the four-hour work week or um, there's a book called Outliers, which is really cool. It just shows you um, how it's not necessarily just luck that people become – oh, sometimes it is. It's a bit of a combination of skill, experience, and luck can result in someone being successful. And sometimes you could have skill and experience and bad luck and maybe not be successful and it's not your fault or likewise, you know. So, yeah, Outliers is a really good book to put everything in perspective, I think. So I'd yeah, and read that if you want to the time. Great. Fantastic. And uh, what would be uh, one of the your personal uh, habits that you believe that's contributed to your success, uh, Darren? Uh, I've got a very bad memory. And so even though I've done all this study, I'm not so good at studying and it's not really my forte and I have to try really hard to, to learn things. And so I have to really, which is which is a good and a bad thing because I really have to understand it before I can learn it and, and remember it. Whereas I know other people have, you know, I can just memorize stuff. I can't really memorize anything. So I have to really understand it and then I can remember it. Yes. So um, one of the things I've got similar sort of things with, with names and people when and I've got, you know, I'm literally dealing with thousands of clients because I've got clients that, you know, I talked to today, they're not going to necessarily knock the house down and subdivide tomorrow. So yeah. I might be talking to them for, two or three years before the even subdivision starts and then two or three years until the development's over. So I'm literally talking to them for years. So I just document everything I do. So every phone call, every meeting, every email, everything I do is all written down. So that's how I can deal with thousands of people at once and still remember everything. So probably my advice is, you know, when you're starting out, just write everything down. You know, I use systems to try and do that. So, but if you're not into systems, then obviously you have to work out a way to do that with pen and paper. Um, I'm anti-paper, so I paperless everything. So I've turned myself into no paper. So um, so that was a bit of a journey as well. But um, so yeah, that's 
probably my advice is to document everything and then yeah ditch the paper cool favorite hobbies or sports uh, to be honest, I just hang out with my kids now. So that's all I do. My hobby is just hanging out with my kids. So whatever they want to do is what I do. So we go to, um, you know, museums and art galleries and go to the football and football training and cricket and whatever they think is cool. We do that, really. So I mean, I'm happy to just whatever they like doing, I'll do that. So Great. And type of music you listen to? Um, I think I've just been distracted over the last few years. So... Um, I'm not listening to as much music as I used to, so I'm probably listening, you know, more into podcasts and audio books and just general radio stuff. Listening to, you know, I'm a bit of a Radio National fan, so I like listening to people talk about boring things. So um, that's probably what I'm interested in. So I haven't, but otherwise, yeah, I'm into you know jazz and and blues and a whole pile of different things. So okay, cool. And who who is your hero, and who do you admire the most? Uh, probably admire my dad, I suppose, that he's, um, you know, he started up his own business and, and you know, struggled through owning your own business for 50-odd years. So, and he's, you know, set ourselves, said, you know, put me through school and, and paid his bills along the way. And so anyone, that's, anyone that starts up their own business and can work out how to, you know, struggle through, then, you know, it's, it's a difficult thing running your own business. And I think until you actually do it yourself, you don't really appreciate what's involved. Right. You know, and if I'm driving down the road and, you know, quite often you drive down the street and you see all these little signs of all these people that have all their own little businesses there, you know, knowing someone's struggling away trying to, you know, work from day to day and trying to pay their bills. So, you know, I really i am impressed by people that do that sort of stuff. You know, when I see someone that, you know, you drive past and suddenly the this, this shop is not there anymore, you know, I always feel really sad about that because essentially I suppose you've got to be an optimist to start a business up because you're not an optimist, you wouldn't do it. And so because of that, there's a good thing or a bad thing. It means you, you keep working away. The bad thing is you don't know when to give it up. And so you just put everything, your whole life into it and all, every cent you've got, you put into it. And so, you know, if it doesn't work, you're probably the last one to realise it's time to give it away. And so, you know, generally you see people have shut down their business then they've probably lost their house or, you know, their life savings essentially. So, you know, my... You know, I feel really, you know, disappointed when I see something like that because it's, it's good to see someone out there giving it a go because it takes a lot of commitment and time and effort, you know, and you know these people are probably working, you know, 100-hour weeks to try and make it happen and they're probably getting paid less than the checkout chick, you know, and so, so, but if they can work it out and make it happen, then, you know, they can get the benefits and stuff. So, yeah, I really admire anyone that start up their own business. Fantastic, Darren. I really appreciate your time and the tips that you've given us. Now, for our listeners, if they wanted to, find out more where can they uh, find you web address uh, probably my advice is to probably check me on facebook is probably the easiest spot i've got a personal page which you just look up darren standish i've got a uh, uh a fan page so darren standish as well so you can get in there and have a look up that so just type in darren standish on facebook get into linkedin you know darren standish again d-a-r-r-e-n and then s-t-a-n-d-i-s-h yeah uh, otherwise you know youtube i've got hundreds and hundreds of youtube videos which take people through the process of subdividing and developing. Um, otherwise, yeah, go look me up on, on Google, Darren Standish, you'll see heaps of stuff. I've got my, my website, you know, propertyprosperity.com.au. So, yeah, you could almost just Google Darren Standish and you're going to see I'm just I'm quite active as far as giving information out to people. So you'll, you'll see me all over the place. So, Fantastic, Darren. Really appreciate it. And until next time, you have a uh, great rest of the day. Cheers. Thanks for your time. I appreciate it. Cheers, Darren. 
That was Mike T. Property Secrets Podcast, your source for real estate and success secrets. Tune in next time to hear more great interviews. Don't forget to leave a comment, rate the show, and most importantly, subscribe so that you never miss an episode. Till next time.